Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, I'm Dave Berry, and I am fascinated by my next-door neighbour. His name is Neil Srinivasan, and he's a leading cardiologist. Whether it's when we're chatting over the garden fence whilst doing a spot of gardening, of course we are, or catching up over a meal together, I've always been left with more questions about his profession than I've had answers. And in The Doctor Next Door, I'll be asking Neil the burning questions that keep me up at night, dissecting medical myths under his watchful eye, and doing my utmost to learn more about an industry that is quite literally a matter of life and death. But this podcast isn't just about me and feeding my own curiosity. Oh, no. I want you to be involved in these conversations, too. Allow Neil to be your doctor next door. So if you have any questions or stories, send them along to doctoratnextdoorpod.com right now. So this is the bit normally where there is a knock at my front door. Unfortunately, the customary knock at the front door has been replaced by the treacherous ding of conferencing software. As Neil and I have to use for the first time in our illustrious history on the Doctor Next Door, the C word. Yes, dear subscribers, the Doctor has succumbed, as many of us have, to COVID. Doctor... We're on Zoom. Firstly, well, sorry you've caught it, mate. Thanks. I can't believe I finally got it after all this time, working in A&E, exposed to everything. It finally got me. I can't believe it. Well, it's, you know, obviously so many people have had it and they've been affected by it in different ways. To put kind of uh, reverse our roles, um, how are you feeling? I'm I'm feeling actually remarkably well. Um, I think uh, Omicron is obviously clearly much more transmissible. So that's probably why I got it now rather than, you know, in the peak of the pandemic. And it's also, you know, I've been triple vaccinated and, and also Omicron is sort, thought, thought to be milder. So I think that's probably why I don't feel it so much. I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that my kids had a fever and I thought oh, maybe I'll test myself, I probably wouldn't have noticed. I probably wouldn't even tested myself. I feel relatively well. Well, I'm glad you did test because otherwise you'd be sat at my kitchen table yeah, right now. So exactly. I do I do appreciate that. And that's how we should continue to live our lives, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Neil, you touched on the fact that, you know, you, you have finally succumbed uh, to COVID, as, as many of people have. Um, what was it like back at the kind of peak of the pandemic, as you say, working in A&E, working in the NHS? Was it really a case of feeling that you you dodged a bullet? If you if you finished your shift, you did a, a test and it was negative. Was it like, foo? What 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 are the chances? Was was that the mentality amongst you and, and other people working in medicine? So, uh, at the peak of the pandemic, when we first had a lockdown, I would say that as people working in healthcare, you really did feel like you know you're in the trenches in World War One. It was like that, and you basically felt an air of inevitability. You thought, it's going to get me at some point. I'm just going to do what I can, right? And a lot of people did get it. And in that, at that point as well, it was very severe. People were not vaccinated. People were getting quite sick, you know, two, three weeks off and lots of cough and very bad fevers. And I'd have WhatsApp groups pigging, you know, with people saying, I feel so unwell and 
here's my chest CT, looks really bad, I'm in hospital and receiving oxygen, that kind of thing. So it really did feel like the unknown, and it was quite scary, I suppose, because you didn't really know what you were being exposed to. You were, had all these rumours and sort of news about people in China dying and things like that, and then you were like, okay, right, I'm going to put on this PPE thing that I've seen a two-minute video about and given a quick brief about, put on oh, this mask, and off I go, and I'm going to enter this cubicle, and this patient's got, you know, COVID, never seen it before, never heard of it before, and crack on. So it really was like entering the unknown and and kind of expecting to get you know shot out in the trenches, that kind of feeling among healthcare workers. Um, coming up to date, you know, today, as I say, you know, uh, you, you have got COVID now, but you are triple vaccinated. You're not showing any symptoms. Uh, but obviously, you are taking the right measures. How is this going to affect your your day and your, your week ahead? Because, you know, we, we were talking just before we, we put the mics live here and, you know, you had a busy week ahead, as you often do. So so what happens for you and, and, and kind of other people in, in similar roles as your own, Neil? Well, yeah, the, my first expression was, you know, a swear word. And I thought, oh, no, what am I going to do? And then I was <laughs> The doctor very the... rarely swears, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. I've been trying to drag him down to my level for many a year now, and he never quite goes all the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then my wife was like, what are you doing? And I was just basically frantically on all the phones, emails, WhatsApp groups that we have saying, you know, sorry, everybody, I, you know, I, I don't want to let you all down, let the team down, etc. But we need to do something about my list on Friday. We need to do something about my clinic, etc, etc. And it's really disappointing for patients. You feel really guilty about the whole thing. You feel really bad that, you know, they have been waiting for XYZ period of time to have a procedure or an operation. They've taken a time off in their week. They've come and done COVID swabs themselves and blood tests. And there you are going, right, we might have to cancel it or something, you know. And so it really is that apprehension and, and all the stuff that you have to sort out and call your colleagues and maybe ask your colleagues for favours because I'm on call this week as well. And so I have to get someone to cross cover. It's the sort of guilt and all the other things that go with it as well. Uh, well, of course, you know, COVID has affected everybody's life around the world and it does continue to do so, you know, maybe in a slightly less severe way nowadays, which which is great for many. But out there, you know, if you have had it or you're still, you know, there's still a chance of you getting it, we wish you a speedy recovery. In each episode of The Doctor Next Door, I bring a burning question to Dr Neil, a question from the world of medicine that I am desperate to get to the bottom of. Now, Neil, I don't know if you've seen a new programme on the BBC recently called Freeze the Fear with Wim Hof. In fact, I know for a fact you've not seen it, <laughs> and I, made, I could have made that whole thing up. And do you know what? Freeze the fear with Wim Hof does sound like I've just literally made it up on made the it spot. Up, exactly. Yeah. But basically, essentially, it sees eight celebrities embarking on a series of challenges in extremely cold temperatures in the mountains. Along the way, the celebrities are guided by record-breaking extreme athlete Wim Hof, a.k.a. the Iceman, who believes that embracing the cold has the ability to change their lives for the better. Now, I've often heard over the years the benefits of cold showers and ice baths, particularly in the world of sport um, and recovering athletes. So what I want to know, my burning question to you this time round is cold water swimming and the like. Is it good for your health? Great question. And uh, you're right. It's quite topical. You see loads of people doing this kind of cold water swimming there's loads of tv stuff about it and people going swimming in open water and things like that 
Put simply, there isn't much data and there isn't a huge amount of evidence. It's very hard to collect a study and go, right, okay, you lot swim in this and you lot swim in this and then we'll check something that happens. But we do think that there are some benefits to the body and certainly the people who do it you know, swear by it and it certainly is very good for you. It's certainly a lot of cardiovascular exercise for your body, which is, as we've said before, is good for you, good to get your heart rate up, good to get your joints moving. Swimming is an excellent exercise. There are some potential benefits from perhaps going into cold water. Um, when you go into cold water, you get this initial shock response. You feel really cold. I don't know if you've ever done it before. Have you ever swum in the sea or anything like that? Yeah, I, I mean, I have. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm quite squeamish when it comes to cold waters. I, I, I tried the. I actually inspired by Wim Hof. I thought I would start each morning before the breakfast show on Absolute Radio by having an ice cold shower. And guess how many mornings I lasted. One. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what? One's being generous. Yeah. And I turned the little dial around and it was piping hot again. And I thought, now I can get on with my day. <laughs> exactly. I thought maybe you turned it on briefly and then just back onto hot again. But, but what are the benefits, though, Neil? I mean, so you get that shock, so you get the shock response. What's happening to my body in that, in that moment then? So, great question. So, shock response, and then you get this longer term adaptation. So, what happens is you jump in. You all know this. We gasp involuntarily. We start to hyperventilate. And that's like a fight or flight response in your body. So your body starts secreting adrenaline. That goes around your body, gets your heart racing. You start to panic. You can sense that your blood pressure is going up. And that's your body getting ready for some kind of emergency problem that's happening. It's a, sh it's a shock to the system. And you get glucose released into the bloodstream. You get fats released into the bloodstream. You get lots of energy there within the bloodstream. And you also get this stress hormone release called cortisol from your adrenal glands. And that puts that sort of secreted around the body for minutes to hours. And that, along with the endorphins that come out from your brain, is what gives people the euphoria from cold water swimming, that initial euphoria that you get. And that's why people love it. They go jumping into the cold and then they get out as quick as they can. And that give, that euphoria makes them feel better, makes them feel well. Makes them feel alive. Exactly, kind of, exactly. Yeah, okay. Now, there is a very interesting work from a chap called Mike Tipton. I briefly mentioned him in our Frostbite episode many, many moons ago. Um, a long time ago, probably about 20 years ago, I did a sort of short degree in between my medical school for a year in physiology. And Mike... <laughs> as you do. As wow. you do, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I did a crayon drawing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was really interested in, in human physiology. I was really interested in climbing mountains and things at the time. I was interested in the physiology of the body when... You go to altitude when you go to cold. What happens? Why do some people adapt? Why do some people not? How do you adapt? And Mike was an expert who flew in from Portsmouth to Leeds to teach us. He's now a professor. And he works at the University of Portsmouth, works with the Navy. And he does a lot of research, you know, putting with volunteers. So that most of the work that we know, in, certainly in this country, comes from, from what they've done. So what they do is that, for instance, they, they put people into these cold water baths so they have a huge diving chamber part of the navy and they get volunteers to hang in these chairs they lower the temperature of the water to 12 degrees and then they suspend them in the water for five minutes and then then they take them out and one of the interesting things he found is that after about six goes of this that's when your adaptation comes so your shock which is what we've talked about before this initial shock your body, after about six immersions or so, learns to adapt. So your heart rate, your breathing, your panic sensations, all of that, they only rise about half as much 
as they did the first time you ever jumped into ice cold freezing water or the first time you did your ice cold shower. And so that's that initial shock. And then you follow that up with some period where your body learns to adapt to this kind of stress, the stress of cold water. Now, this stress is the same as stress that other people might experience for other reasons. Life stress, work stress, you know, physiological stress from illness to, you know, you know, injury, sailors or something like that, you know, people in the forces who get, you know, significant wounds, those kind of things. And that's why he's uh, interested in this kind of work. And there's thought to then be some cross adaptation. So if you go into the cold water and then you start doing it again and again, and then you develop an adaptation response, you get this habituation to the cold, you get used to it, then you get some degree of cross-adaptation that uh, means that your fight-and-flight response is better tolerated, so it's, it's better regulated, so that when you get other stresses in life, be that depression, be that you know illness, be that other things, your levels of chronic inflammation and the way your adrenaline surges in response to all of that and the way in which your endorphins change in response to all of that is better. So that is sort of the theory into why there may be some benefits from cold water swimming. So it's thought to boost your immune system. Obviously, we mentioned it gives you a natural high. It's very good for your circulation because you're obviously doing some exercise. It's thought to be good for your libido, interestingly. Also burns some calories, but it reduces stress. And it also is thought to be you know, good for your health in general, though the data isn't strong because we it's very hard to make a study that you know, clearly proves that. It's very different to, let's say, take a tablet, it made you feel better. So there's an element of retraining in it then. It's re- kind of training your, your mind and your body to, to stand up to, to stresses that are not only kind of cold water based, but more general as far as depression and anxiety and other such things go. So, I mean, I think this is kind of what Wim Hof's been was was saying i think that's why he's you know got his own tv show now and is held in such high regard i think he was it was not only the cold water stuff but there was also a series of breathing exercises and i imagine that kind of fits into the same kind of wheelhouse although personally you know and i after having spoken about it now and and hearing what you have to say about it doctor i am going to give it another go all jokes aside but the two things that stay with me firstly patrice evra who is on the show, right, um, Freeze the Fear. Um, he, he says he hates cold water, and the reason being is that his dad used it as a form of punishment when he was a child. So it's a form of punishment, number one. Number two, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, one of the world's greatest athletes and arguably the greatest football we've ever seen, a man who is really, you know, cool as a cucumber under any kind of pressure. I watched him post a video on his Instagram of him getting into an ice bath. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was he was crying like a child. He was absolutely cringy. I've seen it. It was absolutely cringy, wasn't it? It's horrible. Yeah, he was he was trying to play it cool, but you could just see. He was like wincing and there's just like a little frozen tear rolling down Ronaldo's cheek. Exactly. I mean, I think it's really horrible and it is really tough. And 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 I think I mean our take home is there may be some benefits and we can understand the physical physiological reasons for that. But you have to be careful and it has to be right for you. Even interesting, you mentioned ice baths. I mean, it is something that, you know, we thought that would be good in terms of muscle healing and so on and so forth. And lots of athletes do uh, do it. But actually, the, you know, the data suggests actually a very good warm down, cooling down rather than, you know, if you go for your 
you know, Dave, you're always out for a run on our street and so on and so forth, and then straight into your ice bath as <laughs> you are. The sarcasm is dripping from people's <laughs> headphones, speakers, and smart devices as you speak, Neil. Thank you exactly, for that. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, after that, just a gentle warm down would do and some stretching up and down the street with us all applauding you, obviously, as we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so there we go. Cold water swimming, ice yeah. baths. Yes, Neil. Go on. And, and and I think also I think we should also hit home some important you know message, safety messages for people. When the water is colder than fifteen degrees, you're at risk of things like hypothermia. You get rapid cooling of the skin. You you, you get confused. You start to shiver. Uh, you need to be really careful about doing this. It's the people who are who you see doing it on Lake Windermere, etc., experienced people, their body is physiologically adapted to it. It's something you're going to think about doing, going to the seaside. Don't spend too long in the water. Get used to it. Make sure you're careful. Make sure you're not getting you know frostbite or cold feet or numb feet. Get out of the water if that's the case and warm up. And also, you know, general water safety. When you're cold like this, you're at risk of drowning. If you're going into some random river or lake, make sure it's not filled with you know, stuff that's going to give you infections because you know, open water swimming is associated with things like you know, significant infections, which can be important and life-threatening. So that's, that's important, I think. There we go. So take those words with you as you watch a light entertainment show on BBC One. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it is time for my favourite part of the podcast. I know you like playing along wherever you are. Yes, it is Dave's medical training. Can Neil turn a humble TV and radio presenter into a medical professional? Neil, you have three more questions for me. I am ready. Go for it. So, David, your first question is... You will know from a previous episode that the human body consists of 206 bones. But can you tell me how many bones are in your foot? This is a best of three question. So is it A, 13? Is it B, 26? Or is it C, 40? How many bones are in your foot? A, 13, B, 26, and C, 40. Uh, okay, okay. I've had my educated guess. Okay, so your second question, if you're ready, is... I'm ready. Okay. Second question I'm is... I'm ready. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it's like when we do this on Zoom. Exactly. I miss the yeah. eye contact. I like looking into yeah, those exactly. big brown eyes of yours, Doctor. That's the other thing. Exactly. Okay, here we go. Right. So your okay, second question... <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there eventually. <laughs> I wonder how long we can make this episode with me just going, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Your second question is, where in the human body are red blood cells produced? Is it A, the liver, B, the spleen, or C, the bone marrow? Where are the red blood cells produced in the human body? What were the three options again, please, Doctor? So your three options, A, the liver, B, the spleen, or C, the bone marrow? Okay, I may have nobbled myself. Okay. Go on. And then your last question, your favourite bit, true or false? Mm-hmm. Humans share 60% of their DNA with bananas. True or false? Okay, 
So they are our three questions for our medical training. Stick around. We'll be finding out the answers after this, which is news of a lovely podcast from our delightful producers that I think is going to tickle your fancy. Hello, I'm Jess Phillips, an MP, and if you don't already know, I'm now a fully-fledged podcaster. My show is called Yours Sincerely, and in each episode, I invite a guest to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. I've spoken to Lorraine Kelly about the letter she would send to celebrate her favourite teacher, Vicky Patterson about the letter she would send to her best friend who passed away, and Fee Glover talked to me about how much she loves Taylor Swift. The conversations are a celebration of people we love. And so we often find ourselves in tears of joy and sadness as guests share the letters of appreciation they wish they could send. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by searching for Jess Phillips wherever you listen to podcasts. And with that, I'll sign off with yours sincerely, Jess Phillips. I hope you get to enjoy my podcast soon. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome back to Doctor Next Door. Before the break, Neil had to talk me through how to operate Zoom, which I'm really grateful for. And he also gave me three questions as I continue my medical training. I know you got your pens out and you made notes in your phones out there. Neil, it is time to reveal the answers. How did we do? So let's see how everybody did. So your first question was, uh, you will remember from a previous episode that the human body contains... 206 bones but can you tell me how many bones are in your foot was it a 13 was it b 26 or was it c 40 i've gone for b 26 wow you should go back to you know zoom med school you're on fire yes very good what made I've you think that? Along. i love conferencing software it's perfect <laughs> um you know i went for uh, i know that each toe has got the little connecting bone. So I went roughly 15 for those, maybe three times five. And then I just clumped another 11 on that might be kind of yeah. further up the foot. That, that sounds like my med school all over, using that kind of logic. <laughs> <laughs> so each foot has about 26 bones. There's about 30 joints. And uh, did you know you have 100 muscles, tendons and ligaments, all of which work together to provide joint stability? So it's a very complex structure. Oh, wow. Make sure you remember that in case it comes up in another quiz then. Which means it will, so I am. Thank you. Okay. All right. Your second question was, where in the human body 
are red blood cells produced? And your options were A, the liver, B, the spleen, or C, the bone marrow. Which did you go for? I've gone for B again. I've gone for spleen. No, David, I nobbled myself. No, I know. Sorry. I can't believe I've done it. All of your red uh, blood cells are formed in the bone marrow. So your long bones, the big tibia and uh, the, the other uh, fibula in the, in, in the leg uh, and the femur, the big bones that run across your legs, they're massively important in creating um, the red blood cells. So inside them, they have this bone marrow, which helps create all the blood cells for your whole body. And the spleen actually has other functions. It's actually uh, helps to reabsorb a, a, lot, of, a lot of the uh, cells and a lot of the immune cells. So its spleen is almost like a sort of uh, recycling factory in many ways. Okay, so I've got one so far with one remaining, the age-old favourite of true or false. Remind us of what it was, please, Neil. Exactly, the age-old favourite, true or false. Humans share 60% of their DNA with bananas, true or false. It's such a ridiculous thing. I've gone for true. I've just just going to go for true. Absolutely. You're right. Well done. Yes. Spot on. Yeah. I mean, it's common knowledge we share about 96% of our DNA with chimpanzees. So that goes to show by being so different, what a small proportion of our genome actually, you know, creates that difference. And we share about sort of um, 60% or so of our DNA, uh, maybe up to 70% with things like bananas and slugs and those kind of things. And that's because we have a whole load of housekeeping genes. So the housekeeping genes that you know make the cells work, that help control your cell cycle, help control the DNA, help control how the DNA is replicated in the body, all of those genes are very similar across lots of animals, lots of plants, etc. So it goes to show how very similar we are, but actually how little of the DNA is required to, be, to make us different. So it is two out of three on the medical training section of The Doctor Next Door for me this week. And, of course, there'll be more training coming next time. Doctor Next Door isn't just about Dr Neil and myself. We love it when you get in touch and share not only your questions and stories, but also give a shout-out to anyone from the world of medicine you think deserves some special recognition. You could do any one of those three things, or all of them, should you choose, by sending us an email to doctor@nextdoorpod.com, or, of course, you can find us on the all-important socials, Doc Next Door Pod. So, let's get this week's correspondence. And this week, we have an email from Andrew, who harks back to a previous edition of the Doctor Next Door podcast. Hello, Andrew, and thank you very much indeed for getting in touch. He says, hello, Dave and Dr. Neil. In a previous episode of Doctor Next Door, Dr. Neil mentioned the word Whipple in relation to a medical procedure. And I'm extremely curious to know what it is. I can't be the only one ignorant to its meaning. Well, Andrew in Glasgow, don't feel too bad. When Neil said it, I thought it was an ice cream. Um, it's not. Um, <laughs> what, is, what is a or the or a Whipple? So, uh, great question, and, and thanks for writing in. Um, as we mentioned some time ago, when I was a, a junior, you had to rotate around to lots of different um, sort of specialties. And at one point, I did some work in liver surgery, transplant surgery uh, for about sort of four to six months. And one of the procedures they used to do was this procedure called a Whipple's procedure. It's a very intensive, quite complicated and difficult procedure. And, and you know, my hat goes out to 
Um, all of the surgeons who do this kind of thing because it, it's incredibly skilled and very dedicated and it's life-saving. It's done for patients who have cancer of the pancreas. So pancreatic cancer is a really you know, nasty cancer which is often very indolent. You don't really realize you have it until it's often too late and the outcomes can be really poor for some of these patients. And the pancreas is a gland that lies sort of in the middle of the your abdomen and it's very near your stomach and where your stomach then turns around the corner to the intestine. So the stomach is a sort of big ball that sort of churns the food, and then it goes into these pipes called the intestines. And also collecting around that area are a load of ducts that come from the liver, so your gallbladder, your bile duct, etc., which are excreting loads of things, and also creating some chemicals from the liver which help you digest food, are all then joining into this one area, and that's where often the cancers are. So a Whipple's procedure involves removing or cutting off the head of the pancreas. It then involves removing a small part of the small intestine called the duodenum. You also then have to take away the gallbladder and the bile duct. So you're taking out you know, several different structures within the abdomen, and then you have to put it all together, like a kid's puzzle, with what's left. Uh, and then hopefully make you know the gut and everything else work together. So that's what a Whipple's is, and it's quite a complex procedure that they do. Wow, that's incredible. Um, Andrew, I'm so pleased you got in touch because this is an education to myself and I imagine so many people listening. It does sound incredibly complex. The fact that we live in a, a world and an age where it is a possibility and there are men and women who are trained and able to do that, I just find absolutely gobsmacking. It, it's, you know... What an incredible achievement. How long does the, does that operation normally take, Neil? I mean, it can vary, but I've seen Whipples go on for you know several hours, six hours, that kind of thing. You know? So it's a major thing and a, and a huge thing to recover from and, and a big thing for patients. And it, it's often, you know, when I was training particularly, it was something that was the only centre for the whole region. So people from the whole of that county would be reliant on those one or two people to save their lives, basically. Um, but save many lives they do so as I say Andrew once again thank you very much indeed for getting in touch thank you for going through that with us Neil I do appreciate that as well and of course as I say you can get in touch with us anytime you like our email address is doctor at nextdoorpod.com and that's it for this episode of Doctor Next Door as ever I'd like to thank my regular co-host and next door neighbour Dr Neil Srinivasan we will be back again next time when Dr Neil will again be guiding us through the medical world I'll have another burning question and we'll be answering more of your questions too please rate, review and subscribe from wherever you usually get your podcasts and if you do know a doctor nurse or medical professional who you think might like what you've just heard then do let them know about us now energy prices are high enough right now as it is without you hogging all my bandwidth so please all of you get off my zoom meeting hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.